Uh, how are you doing? Doing great. You want me to introduce you or you introduce yourself? <laughs> just say, just wait, we need to introduce Jadana. Oh, oh, you know the, the podcast host must always introduce the person. Then this guy is like a lot of my colleagues, right? Oh, he, yeah, yeah. This, 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 this. <laughs> you can introduce me as a normal human being. Okay. It's just a normal guy doing normal things. Okay. <laughs> Expressing his humble opinions. Yes. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I don't want to make the whole like preamble. Uh. That was a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for context, uh, this is the first time I'm having a guest on my end. So today I'm having Jay-Z <laughs> over on uh, on this uh, session. Uh, I knew Ching Chang since BMT, right? Yeah, and then we knew all the, other, yeah. all the way till unit. So we went through BMT, FVP, OCS, and then unit together which is quite amazing actually yeah the whole ns uh, the whole ns package together actually. yeah we literally had the whole <laughs> we had the same shared ns experience yeah would you like to share what you're doing now <laughs> oh what i'm yeah. doing now currently i'm working at ey uh, before uni starts so yeah in fact today i actually just finished work nice <laughs> very nicely yeah. nicely working on public holidays why do you work today but yeah uh, i i accidentally got too much work on hand, so I had to go finish it today. If not, I wasn't, I wouldn't be able to submit it by the end of this week. <laughs> and like, unless I go and ask the manager for an extension, which is a bad idea most of the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, toxic yeah. productivity, dude. Okay. Right. Interesting segue to our topic of conversation today. <laughs> a nice one. <laughs> productivity. Yeah. Yeah, you are the perfect person to ask about productivity, right? <laughs> no lah, no lah. I, I, I don't... In fact, I actually have been using this app called Forest. You know what? I that? heard of it, yeah. Is it the app where you like... Yeah, it's just... Keeps your phone locked. Yeah, it's you... Then, then you plant trees to, to, count, to count how much time you actually spend studying. <laughs> nice. And like working. Yeah, so I, I started using it and I realized it's actually not as much as I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I Greatly overestimated my how my level of hardworkingness. It's okay. At least you're trying to track. I I remember I used this app when I was studying last time, but it's slightly different. Like, it's like you, 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 you feed fishes or you grow some plants or something like. But around the same thing, and I it didn't really work actually. Yeah, like, I guess I guess no. But I can track progress. Uh, so like at the end of each week, I'm just like percentage growth in hours worked. And then like next week, how much percentage growth <laughs> to add? <laughs> Dude, but this is toxic. You'll be like incentivized to like keep increasing your number of hours. Yeah, la, yeah, la. Eventually, you know, you you just like stop being able to la. But right now, it's still quite sustainable. La. Nice. Like yeah, in terms of productivity, right? I think it's mostly like the early stuff. Actually, I think both of us are the same. Hmm. Like the notion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I hate. No, actually, you were the first one to yeah. introduce me to this whole like notion. Productivity, like pers- What's yeah, that? personal knowledge management systems. I thought we were both watching. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, he was the first one. <laughs> yeah, but then... I, yeah, I suppose... I got quite a lot of friends using it now, so it's actually quite solid. Like, for me, I think the biggest one is like, I have this page called the Task Manager. Okay. So then, it's like a Kanban board, like, essentially. Yep. So then, I have like stuff that are to-dos. I, I split it up into four categories, I think. Like to do's, then weekly sprints. Weekly sprints is mostly just like because you have a, a lot of to do's, right? And like a lot of things to get done. So then, like, weekly sprints is just stuff that you move from the to do's to the weekly sprints part. I think, I think the concept of weekly sprints comes from the I think agile programming. I was like reading books on startups, then it came from agile programming where they, they do these weekly sprints to ensure that you get things done quickly so yeah i just took that from the agile programming methodology to have a weekly sprint but it, it hasn't been very useful like <laughs> to be honest <laughs> but, but it looks good like, yeah, it looks I, good yeah paper. it looks good actually i i also have like a kanban board for like my own personal work then i i think i literally saw the same template that mm-hmm. you have the one with the weekly sprints then the to-dos then like long marathons or something but I don't really have anything on my yeah, plate yeah. now, so that <laughs> the whole the board is really quite empty. Uh. <laughs> but 
I guess it's more applicable to like people who are actually working. Uh, so maybe it's actually useful for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then there's the not started and in progress, then completed. Completed is just an archive of past things. Yeah, so that's mostly the most important one. Yeah, then knowledge management. I think Notion is very good for knowledge management. I think we both use it quite yeah. a lot, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Knowledge <laughs> management. <laughs> we are like junkies. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stupid Kindle. <laughs> I still remember the first time I just I remember the first time you brought a Kindle into camp. And I was like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> yeah, then I bought it the next week. Yeah, we're literally the same person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kindle. Yeah, but Kindle is really good though. Um the difference between Kindle and books, I feel, is the ability to highlight. But of course, books, there's the benefit of smelling the book and flipping through yeah. books but it gets very expensive if you keep buying books exactly yeah yeah or you can borrow from the library which sometimes gets quite irritating because the book you want to borrow is not there then you wait for like months for to get it so it's quite irritating yeah 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 so yeah kindle, kindle is good yeah. then in terms of knowledge management i think which is what we're getting at is the the linking of everything to notion actually yeah, so I actually, you know, the, the stuff that Ali recommends. Yeah, it's actually it's the whole suite of stuff. Lah. So I got the Instapaper. Instapaper is the one where you <laughs> in through your website. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah. It <laughs> it's really good though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Instapaper is like when, you, when you're browsing, when you're browsing for things, then you can just like click it. Then you can highlight using Instapaper. Then it instantly transfers to your rewise. Yes, okay. Yeah, then rewise transfers to Notion, yeah. Then Rewise is also um, integration with Kindle. Also. So the stuff you read on, on books, you can integrate it into your notion through Rewise. Also. Uh, so just so your workflow is like integrated through like Rewise, right? Yeah. I, I feel like I'm paying too little for the app, actually. <laughs> it, it, it's too useful. Yeah, everything is integrated. Also. So like instead of like browsing through Instagram, you can just look at the daily review to see like the past things that you have highlighted yeah which i think that there's a thing in leverages on so the i can't even remember i think yeah space repetition <laughs> yeah the rewinds daily <laughs> it's like off-brand off ali abdal yes this this is exactly like ali abdal but yeah i, I think ali abdal is quite solid yeah if you want to become more productive you should probably follow that channel but yeah but yeah rewise like sends you like some collated quotes right like from time to time about the books that you read yeah yeah it does it does it's it's the highlights on the, the highlights that you highlight they will transfer to rewise then they have their own algorithm then they'll like remind remind you on it actually yeah that's that's good uh. mm. yeah i think i should subscribe to rewise what about you though what's what's your system What's your system? My system is a little haphazard. <laughs> Basically, like I, you know, whatever I highlight, I have to transfer the, the highlights over to my compass through like the wired connection, you know. So every time I read, finish a book, I have to plug in my Kindle to my laptop. Yeah. Then I have to transfer it using like Clippings IO or something. Then I will copy and paste everything onto my Notion, Notion page. Yeah, uh... yeah. Just a bit more of a <laughs> additional step, but I think it's fine. Do you still do the daily thing? The, the one that the daily highlight, the one that the, the information that you get daily, then you write it down into Notion. Do you still do that thing? I can't remember what's the word for it. You mean like the resonance calendar? You know what? Ah, uh, uh, yes. yes. Yes, the resonance calendar. Yes, I do. Oh, you still do it? Uh? It's, quite, it's quite a task though. Like there's a lot of... <laughs> solid, solid. So, so what's the most recent stuff? No, as in I, hmm? I have a couple of like apps. So I use like Feedly, if you know what that is. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. uh, basically like you collect a lot of pages that you follow. Lah. Then you'll, you'll feed this into a central daily column for you to go and see. Yeah. Ah, understand. Yeah, understand. So once I go from the app, I will save it into Instapaper. <laughs> then after that, I have a whole list of articles that I can go and read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then after that, from Instapaper, yeah, then yeah. I would share it to Notion, then it, get, it gets recorded into mm. my residence calendar, essentially. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, 
my notion calendar is pretty much filled with a lot of Sorry. random articles that I've read. The issue I think mostly is that there's a lot of bloat, right? Like you end up with a lot of stuff inside your notion. Yeah. Which is something that I have to deal with also. Like you have too much. You have too, yeah, yeah, you have too much info. Yeah, exactly. That you can never revise. Yeah, it's like a textbook that keeps increasing. Yeah, it's like you're building like a yeah. like a personal Wikipedia or something. There's like there's way too much information for me to actually go and extract it out. Mm. But I guess it works because you can search like keywords and then the things will pop up. Ah. Uh, right. You can search like keywords. Yeah, it does do a yeah. general search, then you'll you'll find whatever's relevant. I do have text. Yeah, I do have text. Like I tag everything in my like so once it goes through revising the notion, everything is tagged on notion. Yeah. Then it flows into a yeah, it flows into a repository that has different categories. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I have like a category for finance and investing. So say like if it comes through into notion, then the stuff is related to finance investing, then I'll tag it with finance and investing. Then it will flow into a page called finance and investing. Yeah, there's just a library of everything related to finance and investing. Yeah. Something like That's that. That's nice. Actually, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. do tag it also, but it's mm-hmm. not very specific. So like some of the texts are like uh article or like philosophy, inspiration, organizational values or like yeah, productivity. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's the newest book that you've been reading on? Or like anything else you want to talk about? Like mm. Actually, no, just now I was going to mention, like, I read this article about, uh, about, like, recent studies saying that reading on a digital platform is not as good as reading on a paper because you forget a bit easier. I don't know what, who wrote it, but basically, like, the main idea is when you have the physical book and the pages, right, you, your mind creates a mm. cognitive map of whatever concepts there are in the book. But then when you're reading on a digital medium, like Kindle or something, you, you don't get the same effect. So they are, they are saying that you don't remember the stuff as much as you do on a physical book. But I feel like for, for whatever systems we both have like made, I think it's not much of a problem because we still retain the whatever information we feel is like interesting or whatever. Yeah, of course, like we take notes. Yeah, yeah because yeah. we highlight all the interesting things. I think that's the, the concept of space repetition. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the article. Yeah, definitely recommend recommend a Kindle. Uh. <laughs> you should be Kindle advertisers. Eh? Hey, hey, let's take a short break for today's sponsor. <laughs> Not sponsored by Kindle. Not sponsored yeah. by Kindle. Not sponsored by Kindle Rewise now in the people. <laughs> yeah, but I do want to read physical books once in a while. I need, I need the I need the I need mm. the books now, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, there's a big difference, uh, but Kindle is just very convenient. Like, carrying a thousand-page book around everywhere is not, yeah. it's not the best thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's, what's the latest book I read? Uh, I'm currently reading <laughs> Better by Atul Gawande. Atul oh, That's a very boring writer <laughs> about medicine. What book did I read? I remember reading it in camp. It was so slow. Being Mortal, I remember. Oh, yes. Being Mortal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, how do you think Being Mortal was? I, I dropped it. Uh, so I, I cannot really say. But I feel like the points he brings from, from what I could gather. Uh, it's, okay, I don't think I have an opinion on it uh, since I dropped it. So I, I shouldn't voice an opinion on it. But it was it was rather it was rather boring to me. But I, I would like to hear your opinions as a doctor. Future doctor to be. <laughs> doctor John Yo. Uh no, actually I agree. Like his writing style was a little bit boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think he has quite good points. I can't exactly remember what being mortal is about, but I think I was trying to push across the point that uh we need to recognize the limits of what modern science and technology can uh, can do for us. La. And we need to know when is the right time to stop. You know, because like if medicine and everything, like the main goal a lot of people have is to extend life beyond like normal means. Sometimes there are 
circumstances where we cannot do that all the time. So I think what he's trying to say is that we need to take back into account, like, like put the well-being of patients back to the forefront again and not just like strive for goals of extending life expectancy or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think he has good points, but then it's a bit too long-winded. So <laughs> yeah. Then like the then like the, the current book I'm reading now is uh it's called Better. So basically he writes about different different situations about how surgeons or like doctors can improve on their performance. But right now I can't I'm still not like done with it. So I can't really give too much of uh explanation about what it is. But I feel like it's a little bit this going deep. Yeah, it's a little bit like disconnected because he just gives like different scenarios for a certain concept he wants to push across. So like the concepts don't really link up sometimes. But yeah. Yeah. I'm still reading it. So what you've been reading a lot of finance books, is it? <laughs> yes, yeah. Even the podcasts are all like finance related. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on latest in latest news, um the American Miss Jobs report, it essentially is just like one of the key macroeconomic indicators when you when you try to see like whether the country is doing well. So the US side now is the the jobs, the April jobs report is I'm I'm putting up Google right now. It's two six six thousand versus the forecast of one million. So it was like quite a huge miss. Uh. So then yeah. Which I think caused quite a bit of issues because the current situation in US of the growth stocks being very heavily overvalued. Okay, overvalued is a strong word. It's just very high valuation in the growth stocks. So then if the growth expectations are not as good as evidenced by the jobs report, then yeah. Lah. So right now, I think growth stocks have been like dropping for the past month and is rotating into the value stocks. Actually, I feel like this is a very finance thing to say. It's fine. Right. It's very, it's very finance. But yeah, yeah. So essentially right right now what's happening is US the jobs report was not very good, then share prices are dropping. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, then there's also the inflation, the inflation issues in the US. So then I think I think Go has been improving quite a bit. Like I, I have some of my portfolio in Go and if it, I, I think it's up like five percent since this, the like oh, wow. the past three months. But yeah, it's about inflation issues, which I don't think actually will materialize, to be very honest, because it's firstly a very huge demand shock from COVID-19. And the argument that an inflation issue will happen is based on, of course, demand picking up and the Fed being unable to deal with inflation, which is something I do not believe will happen because, of course, right now the, the Fed rates are already like close to zero so then they have like all the firepower in the world to raise interest rates to deal with inflation <laughs> is that a you listening to the finance brief <laughs> <laughs> wait no but do you take econs in no no yeah I can't really give an insight ID. oh yeah so, so it, might, it might not be understandable it's okay thank, thank, thanks for your insight right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah 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 so no yeah I remember reading about your, your goal thing in your article Oh yeah, it's an inflation hedge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Quite. A bit hard to understand, mm. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Uh. Oh yeah, and also crypto. La. So yesterday, Elon Musk decided to not accept Bitcoin anymore and the crypto, the crypto market yeah, plunged. Yeah, yeah. yeah that I know. That was quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite meme. I think Elon Musk is a meme. <laughs> Actually having so much power that you can influence everything with like words. It's quite amazing. Yeah, it's like just a few words on Twitter. So. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna look through my my calendar and see whether I've got anything like interesting to talk about. Oh, okay, no, there's this thing. You remember the daughter called Mark Manson, right? Yeah. A uh, subtle art of not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I recently like chanced across this article on Medium, where he writes about how he's about why he's not a stoic. <laughs> why he's not a stoic? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I remember you 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 said you're reading what. The meditations by Marcus Aurelius during outfield or something. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the solid outfield book. Uh, when when you're in the jungle with with nothing to eat and you're very cold and you're very depressed, then you pull out 
meditation in my markers already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the standard. Uh. <laughs> you know you're in a depressive episode when you pull out meditations by Marcus already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stoic, stoicism is for depressed individuals. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a solid book. Right? So what's his arguments for why he's not stoic? Okay, uh, basically he presents arguments about why his personal life philosophy sometimes like mixes with stoicism. Then he also like presents some other counter arguments about how there are certain problems with stoicism. Nah. So maybe I can just list mm. a few of them. No? You can get what you think about it. So firstly, he lists what uh, stoicism gets right. So the first point is that he's, uh, the philosophy teaches that we should focus on things you can control and ignore the rest. Yeah. So this one I definitely agree with. Mm. Like, you know, the, the serenity prayer Oh yeah, I, I saw it in your... Oh, yes. Yes, yes, I, I, I see, I saw it, yeah. I saw it. Basically, the gist, yeah. Yeah. I said okay. whatever we... To know the things that we can control and the things that we cannot, yeah. Mm. And I think that's one of the main... One of the more important things of Stoicism uh, that we can actually apply in our lives. The second point is about how we should accept pain and don't chase pleasure. Then thirdly is uh, a good life is a virtuous life. Where like things like virtue is basically like courage, integrity, honesty, a lot of like mm. abstract principles. Yeah. yeah then fourth is like materialism. What is real can be calculated and measured. Okay, so I'm not really sure about what, what is related to. Do you have any idea? <laughs> materialism. I, I remember I think there was a uh one of the paragraphs in meditations he talked about imagining wine as rotten grapes and oh it's just basic yeah you, you remember the that that yeah. paragraph yeah it's just basically trying to convince himself that the things that you the material things that you try to gain is not that important ah yes so you try to imagine it as it is instead of whatever society has ascribed value to it so in a sense you can think of a ferrari instead of a instead of like whatever a ferrari is right now you can think of it as just like metal on wheels to convince yourself that it's not really as important as you think it is oh yes yeah okay it, it's essentially trying to break away from social construct of value okay good point yes okay then the last point is uh the memento mori yeah or remembering um remembering yes, death remember, remember right. that you will die okay yeah yeah so these are the points that Wait, mark so- manson agrees with but what he thinks stoicism mm does right and I kind of agree with him I guess I don't know how do you, how do you apply like stoicism in your life or like how did it help you throughout of you <laughs> no it's just I think everything can be summed through the serenity prayer actually it's like just some things you cannot control and you just have to deal with it I think I have a good quote I think by Jordan Peterson I think I've been like reading quite a bit on Jordan you know yes yes like, yes yeah. yeah Jordan Peterson yeah I think he mentioned a key point that he always mentions is about responsibility. So in a sense, a lot of things in life that happens to you are not really your fault. There are a lot of things that life just gives you that's not really your fault, but doesn't, it doesn't mean that even though it's not your fault, it's not your responsibility. Like it can be your, it can be not your fault, but your responsibility. It's like when you're suddenly given a leadership, posi- leadership position, it's not exactly like, you wanted to have a leadership position, but because now you have a leadership position, it's your responsibility to uphold whatever things you need to do as the leader. So it's something like that. Lah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's about responsibility. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so a lot of things in life. Like, yeah, and I, I feel like a lot of times when, when people get unhappy about things, it's because of an entitlement over what you believe you should get versus what you're actually getting. And you try to push it onto the world instead of taking responsibility. It's like when you're unhappy, I think a good analogy is like when you're unhappy, then you try to convince yourself that there are many, many things in your life that is not really that good that is causing you to be unhappy. But in the end, 
the responsibility for your happiness is still yours. So then it's up to you to make it happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I think stoicism is very solid in a lot of areas. But I remember, I think, reading Nietzsche. Oh, that one was a very hard book. That, that was a book that I, I dropped and I cannot, I cannot comprehend. Yeah, I think, I, I, think I, I got through like the first, the first 20 plus pages <laughs> and I couldn't understand, so I dropped it. So what I'm going to say right now from the book, it's called Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah, I heard of that, yeah. By Nietzsche. Yeah, what I'm going to say now might not actually encompass the actual philosophy he was trying to read across, but I think he criticized every single philosophy there was in that it reflects a bias from the person itself. Like he was just, in like his opening paragraphs, he was just trying to like flame every single philosophy ever created. And one of it was Stoicism in that there's a lot of bias created from, from yourself. Because like, you know, Stoicism, like trying to ascribe to nature, right? And Stoicism is a lot, you have the stoa and you try to like live according to yeah. nature. Yeah, so then he, he, was, he was trying to refute the argument that living according to nature means living with virtue because there's nothing that really ties nature to virtue, right? Then he just, he's just trying to say that you are trying to put your own biases into convincing yourself that this is the right thing to do. Uh. Wow. But that this is my, my conclusion from reading 20 pages of the book. <laughs> but... Yeah, it was a very hard book to read. I I got very like intellectually challenged. <laughs> I dropped it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Many people have told me like they dropped reading nature, so like I'm not gonna start. <laughs> nature. We are talking about nature. I think I think nature's books weren't written in English. Yeah, it's right? all translations, is it? It probably wasn't written in English. Yeah, yeah. I, I realize translated books are always like hard to read. I think like recently I've been trying to get into fiction instead of nonfiction. Oh wow. Uh, that's a that's a very long story actually. Okay, but let's just assume. You can share it. Uh. <laughs> actually came okay, so I started trying to get into fiction because I realized that reading non-fiction like I realized that after using forest, sleep actually impacted my levels of productivity quite a lot. So I've been trying to optimize sleep quite intensely now. Like I've been like doing quite intense research into like neurobiology to like, optimize wow. sleep. And I realized that a lot of the things that caused me to not be able to sleep is because I read non-fiction before bed. So then like your mind is stimulated. So then while you're lying in bed, you're like thinking about things for like one hour before you fall asleep. So it's quite bad. Ah, I see. Yeah, so, so then I try to get into fiction to not use my brain at all. Oh, okay. While reading fiction. So recently I've been reading fantasy. But I started with like those like fancy fiction books. Like when you when you want to read fiction, you think of the fancy fiction books. So now like going to the classics yes. like Crime and Punishment <laughs> by Dochayevsky. Oh, that's a very bad book. <laughs> and War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> I killed myself reading it. It was so okay, Crime and Punishment is critically acclaimed and recommended by lots of people, but I I I didn't like yeah, or like it was, it was if it, it felt like slow, and like the killing scene was very boring also. Cause like I mean, when you compare it to like modern day entertainment, murder scenes are far more interesting than what we described in like the past. Yeah, yeah. Then War and Peace is just, it's just a, it's so bad. Cause you don't even remember the characters or so. Cause like they they give they give them like Russian names or something. Then you you cannot remember the character. So like. And they jump around between scenes. So by the time they come back to the original scene, you don't, you don't know who, who is who. So yeah, it's, a, it's a mess out to read. So, so I dropped it for more like modern day books. And now I've been getting into fantasy. That's, that's, yeah, that's quite a change. Yeah. But yeah, so recently I've been reading non-fiction. You don't, you don't read non-fiction, right? No, I only read non-fiction. Hey, wait, sorry, sorry. You don't read Yeah, fiction, I don't really read right? fiction. Yeah, yeah you, you, should get, you should get into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it's... Non-productive time actually. <laughs> when you try to optimize productivity, then you're reading fiction. Yeah, it's, it's really it's unproductive, like, but I think it helps me sleep. But you don't have to read. Other than melatonin pills. <laughs> you remember back in the day in army. Yes. Thanks, thanks for all the melatonin pills. Chugging melatonin pills. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, that was the best days. Yeah, right? those are the good old days. <laughs> and then come over to my bed and be like, can, can give me one melatonin? <laughs> we just like eat melatonin. Druggies. <laughs> yeah, but Ami was very unhealthy. I think after after 
OID, my, my mental health has cleared up quite a bit. Yep, I totally agree. Oh, we're in <laughs> such like a reprieve state in army. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> I think eating McDonald's at 2am is not very good, good for health. <laughs> huh? Norm is planning till like what? Don't know what hours. It was 12, 12pm. 12 yeah. It was not it was not good for health. Like, it was like what? Eight AM we start. And at then twelve. Three PM was lunch. Yeah, three PM was lunch. Then nine PM was dinner. And then two AM was <laughs> two AM was max. Oh wait, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I was halfway through the article. Oh right, right, right. I, I feel like we, we got distracted by some random stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah, so on, for the on. second half of this article. He begins to list a few problems with stoicism. So the first one he talks about it is he says that it's impossible to detach from our emotional reactions and uh, remain rational. One of the main things I usually get from reading stoicism books is like nothing actually bad actually happens, only thinking it makes it so. Like I think that's what they try to teach mm, often. Correct. Right? Yeah, but I don't think like the point of it is to detach yourself from your emotions though. Do you do you think it's that way? Oh, so you're trying to refute Mark Nixon's argument also. Uh, the yeah. trying to detach yourself from emotions. Yeah. Mm. As in I don't I didn't think that stoicism was about detaching yourself from, from your emotions, but because like we cannot prevent our base like first reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah, Correct. I, I I always thought stoicism was about how like moving past that first reaction, right? Yeah, 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 correct, correct. So, maybe this point is not really, yeah, I don't relate to this point. I think stoicism is quite a solid argument, to be very honest. It's, it's how to live life and I don't think, I think because everything in stoicism is so ideal, it's very hard to refute it. More of the impracticalness of stoicism because it's very difficult to actually live up to stoicism like controlling your emotions is very difficult and trying to detach yourself from whatever is happening and not ascribe any like value statement on it is also very difficult yeah i agree okay so what's the next point the next point he says it is impossible to be entirely rational we just touched on that that. so great we can move yeah I i think he's refuting the the point of Stoicism being very hard to uphold, but saying something is very difficult to do is not exactly a very good counter. Yeah, yeah. But it 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 is it is uh it is true that stoicism is very hard to to actually follow. I mean, Marcus Aurelius has a whole book of him trying to convince himself to follow it, follow the philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he journals every day to remind himself to follow yeah. it. Yeah, but you made a good point. Doesn't mean it's difficult to uphold. Means it's a bad, bad thing to uh, to keep striving towards. Correct. Yeah. Then his last point is about how we should actually care about some external things. Hmm. I, I think he's got it wrong, lah. To be honest, like stoicism is not about not caring. It's about not thinking something is worse than it actually is. <laughs> okay, I kind of get it, lah. Because his his own book is about how we should choose the things that we should care about, right? So I guess he's trying to mix it in with this mm, article. Correct. So correct, 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 correct. Just a reminder that this video is not sponsored by Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so Marcus Aurelius, if you are if you're listening to this. Yeah, diehard fans, bro. <laughs> hint, hint. Uh, I, I remember reading Seneca also. Ah yes. Letters from a Stoic. Yeah, that was good Letters also. from a Stoic, right? But he writes a bit. Mm, correct, correct. Yeah. But I still prefer meditations, actually. Mm. Yeah, I think he has like some agenda for this article, so maybe it's not like... <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. I think that's pretty much about, the, about it for the article. Hmm, do you have anything interesting else to share? Interesting to share. Okay, let's not talk about finance. Cause... <laughs> okay, okay. Let, let's talk about optimizing sleep. Okay. So recently I've been... Yeah, yeah. So I recently I've been um getting into like optimizing my sleep so I, I found this podcast called Huberman Lab yeah so essentially it's just this neuroscientist that tells you all the like chemicals that react with which receptor and like the effect of the things are so like I, I'm checking his podcast notes now maybe a moment so he tries to like 
give advice on how to optimize each facet of like your biology. So like there's one episode on controlling your metabolism by thyroid and growth hormones, then how to increase motivation and drive. So all, all these things are, so then there's one on like sleep. So the main thing he says, right, is actually just to get sun exposure because the, the blue light actually um, alters the circadian rhythm and creates like melatonin. Like, you know the melatonin yes, yes. thing that we have been eating? Yeah so, yeah, so blue light regulates that thing. So then he recommends getting sun in the morning and in the afternoon. I cannot remember the neurochemistry behind it, but that's the optimal way to ensure that by the time you reach night, your melatonin is like firing properly. I see. Like producing properly. Yeah. Yeah, so that's about optimizing sleep. I don't know, like my understanding of sleep is quite rudimentary. It's like I only know like the, you need to sleep in 90 minute blocks, right? So you can get like, Oh, oh yeah, the sleep yeah, cycle, the, right? the 90-minute sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I do. But I think I've, I, I'm quite thankful for my work now because I'm forced to sleep earlier and wake up earlier. Oh, oh yeah, you're working at the... The, the vaccination centre. Oh, the, the... Yeah. Oh, no, so now you're working at a vaccination yeah. centre. Yeah, by Raffles okay, yeah. Medical. Then, like, I have to get to the place... Contributing vet. Hmm? Continue, continue. <laughs> I get to the place by like 7.30, which is ridiculously early. That's depressing. Yeah, <laughs> That's it's depressing. really early. Then I, I get off work about like yeah. uh 6. Yeah. That's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really long hours. Not, not sponsored by EY, but the EY working hours are better. So it's flexi. So you can come into office from 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. But if you come, so depending on the time you come, you can end late and work at the exact same time. So work technically starts at, from 8.30 to 5.30. But if you come in at 9.30, you can end at 6.30. So it's flexi hours. UI I'm not being sponsored here, but UI has flexi hours. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> yeah, but your, your work is kind of depressing. Okay, I, I'm actually lying because all my, all my like seniors in like the company is actually like working very late. Like I receive emails at 3 a.m. Wow. Which is very sad. Yeah, then I I I, I like start work the next day. I see that email coming at 3 a.m. I'm like not <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> That's very depressing. Yeah. yeah, but but it's like busy season now. So I hope I hope that life gets better. Uh four hour work week. Four hour work week. Scam. Very scamming. For our work week. Well, yeah, so you're still gonna study the double degree, right? Yeah, in business and commerce. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm quite I don't know whether to apply for hall. I haven't done it yet. You haven't wait, isn't it like yeah, now? It's now? As in I fill everything out to the last page. Apply for <laughs> uh there were RC eh, Oh I, I completely like missed the RC application. It's like <laughs> <laughs> you have to stay in yeah, hall. Have, have no <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Just apply uh. It's like one day I was like So which one, which one are you thinking about? No, as in For staying in hall I don't know whether I'll actually have a lot of time To go and try a lot of the The CCAs or whatever Like you don't have to My, my friend's from medicine also And he, he stayed in hall Then You don't have to He was quite chill la. Like I mean you can just like not go Then eventually You get kicked out <laughs> I suppose I suppose that, that That's a viable option But I, I think when you go to hall You wanna like Chill right So might as well Yeah Okay, I guess I'll just... Yeah, but my friend says that medicine is very tough. La. And that, that guy is a genius. Man's a genius. So if he says it's tough, I... Hmm. Definitely going to be very tough. Genius level saying it's tough. But I, I think the first the first two years might be not that bad. Though. I'm not that sure because I don't know about medicine. But he was quite chill for the first two years. But now he now he's like dying in the third year. So Yeah, yeah. That's what I hear from. Maybe in the first two years, you can enjoy hall. Yeah, that was my plan. Just go to hall for the first year, first semester at least. Then when things start to get a bit more serious, I just like go back to home. <laughs> I'll just go through my go through my knowledge library. <laughs> okay. Pick from leadership and management, computer science, philosophy, self-help. Philo. Philo. I feel like philo is a lot about stories. I think I read quite a bit of stoicism. So almost everything is stoicism. But what else do we have to add to stoicism? 
nothing else. I, it's a very good, I feel it's a very good philosophy. Like, it's just very hard to uphold. Yeah. It's just tough life. Let's let's see, let's see. Um well, I read I read Principles by Ray Dalio. Oh dude, I literally just read That's that also. Book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think a lot of it is going back to first principles, which I think is really quite useful. Uh. Like it changes how you think about things. The main a lot of the points in like how to think and like the reason why he feels the reason he thinks he is successful is because his of his ability to go back to first principles. So a lot of his investment methodology is based on first principles. So like there's the all weather portfolio. Do you have you heard of that all weather portfolio? No. <laughs> it's going to finance again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically all weather portfolio is going back to first principles also. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, what actually drives okay, but let's not talk about finance. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but interesting things are, okay, recently I've been getting into crypto. Alright, alright. As everybody. Yeah, yeah, so recently I've been talking to my friend who is working in a crypto startup. Oh, wow. Yeah, and like he, he's been like jumping around in between different crypto startups. He's quite, he's quite solid in crypto. And then I asked him like, what, uh, what is your, uh, what is the investment uh, thesis that you, you would recommend? So I, he recommended one investment thesis, which actually, I feel it's quite interesting. Like it, it comes from hedge funds. So like long short hedge funds. Do you know what long short hedge funds? Yeah, not are? really. Okay, okay. So long long when you long a stock, right? Essentially you're buying the stock. So you're long because you want to hold it for the oh, long Okay, term. okay. Okay, then you're short when you're short a stock, it means you sell a stock. Do you know what shorting is? I, I have shorting heard is, of right? Yeah. So essentially so shorting is essentially you you borrow a stock from somebody, then you like sell the stock now. And eventually in the future, you need to buy the stock to pay back to the person. Oh, okay. So essentially, you don't own the stock right now. You ask like someone to give you the stock and then like you you sell it right now, but eventually you need to buy back the stock to pay the person again. And like, instead of borrowing money, you're borrowing stock. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's shorting. So in long short hedge funds, right? It's when you long and short two things, right? You're actually able to achieve market neutrality. So do you know what's market neutrality? So essentially, right? Every single there's in finance there's always something called market risk. Yeah. And they represent it through beta, which you also do not know what beta. Okay, I'll explain what beta is. So essentially beta is a regression of the performance of a stock against the S P five hundred. Okay. You understand that what that means, right? Oh shit, this is ACSI guy very smart. Okay, so so essentially it's just a it's just a from every so if you have a beta of two, then whenever the S P five hundred increases by 100%, your stock will increase by 200%. Mm. And whenever the S&P 500 drops by 100%, okay, whenever the S&P 500 drops by like 20%, then you'll drop by 40%. So it's just like a force yeah. multiplier. Yeah, multiplier like that, yeah. But if you want to become more technical, it's a regression of the thing. So like every single price movement that they plot it, then they draw a straight line through the graph. Then you find the, the gradient is the beta, but that's not important. So it's actually beta is a representation of like market risk. So then, the when you long and short two things, right? You are actually able to delete away market risk. So, um, let's think about it. So he recommends longing Ethereum and shorting Bitcoin. Okay, so it's actually a very interesting PC. So it it comes from the argument that Ethereum will beat Bitcoin. Oh, so Ethereum must outperform Bitcoin, which I I think is true, Which I I have to get into like crypto to explain that, but let's just assume that Ethereum outperformed Bitcoin. So to explain how this investment thesis works is because if you long Ethereum and you short Bitcoin, then you'll be able to eliminate the, the risk from um, the crypto markets. Uh. So in, essentially, you're now market neutral in crypto because every single time, you're, you're assuming that the market will affect both Ethereum and Bitcoin together. So if the market drops 10%, both Ethereum and Bitcoin drop 10%. Mm. Right. So then by longing Ethereum and shorting Bitcoin, you are able to cancel the market movements out and thus you'll be market neutral. Then you'll extract the outperformance of Ethereum over Bitcoin. So if Ethereum beats Bitcoin by 1%, then that's the your that's how much you earn. Uh, or in investment they call it alpha, but screw it, just call it that's how much you earn. 1%. So let's say the market drops 10%, and let's say Bitcoin also drops 10% because Bitcoin boosts in the market. Okay, but because Ethereum outperforms Bitcoin, you only drop Ethereum only drops nine percent. Okay, so the investment thesis works because if you long Ethereum, 
that position will lose money because Ethereum dropped 9%, right? Correct. But because you short Bitcoin, which dropped 10%, you'll be up 10%. So then you'll extract the 1% difference. Oh, okay. Okay. That's quite interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so essentially, then by, by being now market neutral, you have e- e- essentially eliminated the risk from cryptocurrency. So your entire risk of your portfolio decreases, right? So then because the risk of your portfolio decreases, you can now leverage to increase the risk to reach the amount of return that you want. Okay, this one comes from modern portfolio theory, but essentially once you minimize your risk, right, then you can you can maximize your return based on the same amount of risk. You know, like risk over like return over risk, right? So it's like for every 1% of risk you're taking, you get like 1% return. Right. But so now after using this market neutral strategy, now your risk decreases for every percent of return you get. So then now you can leverage. Leverage meaning buy like borrow money. La. Right. But you can now essentially borrow money to increase the risk profile of your, your portfolio, but boost the returns. Wow. Right, so that that's that's his investment thesis. La. As for why Ethereum will beat Bitcoin, that one has to go into like the the way two cryptocurrencies work. La. In that Ethereum is a proof, it's trying to transition into a proof of stake blockchain and Bitcoin is a proof of work blockchain, which as Elon Musk has said, it's energy wasting. Like he said it, I think yesterday, yeah. and he crashed the whole market. But essentially, proof of work is extremely energy wasting. The concept behind proof of work is essentially you just get computers, like very strong computers, like super computers from every single place, and you get them to compete to solve a math problem, like a redundant math problem, which is set in such a way that it, the math problem is set to be difficult on purpose because it's part of the, the consensus the consensus mechanism of the blockchain. So it's, it's very energy wasting in the sense that you get very strong computers to do redundant okay, work. Okay. So that's the proof of work. But proof of stake is like far more efficient. So then that's like the main thesis. And also cause Ethereum has something called the smart contracts which you also do not know, right? No. Okay, okay, okay. Lesson time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so smart, smart contracts. Uh, wow, to start with the fundamental blockchains. Okay, let's start with Bitcoin. <laughs> the, the, the whole reason why cryptocurrencies is, is the, the whole reason why cryptocurrencies is uh, so significant now is because like, it's a completely different security uh, model. Okay, so right now I explained how it's, uh, data is stored in our current world. Like, it's like, essentially, it's a black box, right? So like data from Apple is stored in their own walls and data from Google is stored in their own walls. Yeah. So what cryptocurrencies are trying to cr- produce is just a trustless, trustless network of decentralized ledgers. So the analogy they always give is, say you're playing poker with your friends. Or like you're playing any form of card game with your friends and you want to keep track of who's earning how much, right? Yeah. So then the only way you can keep track of who's earning how much is essentially everybody keep track of the progress. So like everybody just record the history of the of the game on their own end. Then at the end of the game, they compare between each other, right? Okay. That's essentially how if like you don't trust anybody, that, that will be what you'll do. So essentially, blockchains work the same way in that is you distribute the all the data to different nodes in the blockchain which are in charge of verifying the blockchain so essentially they are the poker players on the table keeping a record of every single thing that's happening and coming together at the end of the day to see whether it's legit that's the simplified explanation of how blockchain works but like if you want to get into like the nitty-gritty then you have to talk about cryptography then like how the different blocks are linked together through cryptographic hashes which is not really that important the entire thing is just the security model is based on a decentralized network instead of like everything in a black box. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's like Bitcoin. So then there's of course like consensus mechanisms. So then you have to go into like proof of stake, proof of work. But that's not part of the, that's not really that important to to explain smart contracts or so. So essentially smart contracts, if you want to explain smart contracts, um, essentially it's the, Okay, I die. I will backtrack a little. So, Bitcoin. The reason why Bitcoin is not that useful, and also part of why the thesis of why you should not invest in, you should short Bitcoin and, uh, buy a long Ethereum is that because Bitcoin has nothing that allows it to do anything other than keep con- keep uh 
a ledger of past transactions. So then the only thing you can do on Bitcoin essentially is just send things between each other, which is not really that useful, right? You can only like give money to someone, then it records it on their ledger, then someone else gives money to this one, to another person, it records on the ledger. So it's not really that useful. So then you go on to Ethereum, which is essentially like blockchain 2.0, is the ability to run code on the blockchain. So that's smart contract, is the ability to run code. So a smart contract essentially is just like an if-then statement. It takes in two, it takes in arguments, then it put, then it runs whatever code you, are, you you wrote, then it gives an output. So then a lot of things can be done with smart contracts because uh, essentially every single thing in our life is an event statement, right? Like, let's say if you if you give money to a chicken rice store owner and you want them to give you chicken rice, correct? Yeah. So essentially the if-then statement is if I give money to the chicken rice owner, then the chicken rice and the chicken rice owner gives me the chicken rice, then the transaction is swapped between each other. Yeah. Correct? So it's essentially like how a smart contract works. It's just an if-then statement, it runs code, then it accepts the output. So then there are many platforms that now are run on Ethereum, which is why Ethereum is better than Bitcoin, is that there's a lot of use cases. So then the biggest one, I think, is money market protocols. Okay, it sounds very complex, but in finance, money market is just the lending market. So it's actually how you, you get money, uh, how you get money. So there's protocols like Aave and Compound, which essentially is trying to replace banks. Okay, so I have to get into how banks work. So banks, if you think about it, what banks do is they compound loans. They compound deposits and they loan it out to people, right? So, and then the way banks profit is they, they pocket the margins that they, the difference between the, deposit rates versus the loan rates. So like if you throw $1,000, you, you deposit $1,000 in the bank, then they give you a 1% interest rate. And like 10 other people also do that. So now the bank has $10,000 in their bank and they're paying 1% interest rate per year to the people that gave them the money. Yeah. And the bank proceeds to lend the money out to other people. All right. Then because the bank lends the money out to other people, but they lend it out at a higher rate, then now essentially they pocket the difference between the rates, right? So if let's say the bank decides to lend it to some guy trying to buy a BTO flat and he gives him a 2% interest rate. So now this $10,000 $10, is giving the bank 2% returns per year, but they only need to pay 1% return per year. So then they have pocketed the 1% the 1% change, right? it's called a net interest margin for banks. So yeah, so essentially right now on um, Ethereum, there's like stuff like compound and in RV, which essentially works like a bank. You can you can pass, you can essentially give money into a pool of money and a pool of money can be borrowed out from. So that's essentially like oh, a bank really. Wow, okay. Right, because like a bank is essentially you giving, you you adding money to a pool of money and then it's giving you an interest rate and then it's lending out to someone else at, at, a, at a higher interest yeah. rate, right? But so now it can also be done on um Ethereum through like money market protocols like Aave and Compound. So then you can like deposit money into Compound, then they'll give you an interest rate. And Compound will have this pool of cryptocurrencies that it can lend out to people at a highest, higher interest rate. So essentially it's achieving the ability of a bank already. But of course it is not complete yet now because it's over collateralized, which I'll explain also. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, okay. So I have to explain why why banks are as they are right now, right? Is the elimination of counterparty risk. Wow, okay, okay. Wow, it's very complex. Right? Okay, counterparty risk is just essentially you don't trust the other person that you're lending. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Right, so essentially, if you are, uh, okay, let's say I, I'm trying to lend you money, right? But I don't really trust that you can pay me back the yeah. money, correct? So then what would I do? I would just lend the money out to a lot, a lot, a lot of people. So then, Let's say if you only have a 1% chance of not paying me back the money. Yeah. Correct. And then now I've loaned it out to a, a lot of people. Then by law of large numbers, the chance of me actually losing a lot of money no. is not significant, yeah. right? Because if I only lend you out, if I only lend $1,000 to you and you actually end up not paying me back, I lose $1,000. Like I lose 100% of how much I lent out. But if I spread it out across yeah, yeah, yeah. I get everybody, it. Yeah. then... Yeah, so it's a elimination of counterparty risk. Uh. It's like same thing as insurance. Yes, yeah. Right, you do not... Okay, I, 
counterparty risk is not present in insurance. It's just the risk of someone like falling sick and needing the premium and needing the, need the payout for the, yeah, the, the insurance. Uh, but, but it's actually the same thing. Uh, it's probability. Uh. So, yeah, so that's how banks work. And the issue right now with Ethereum, it, it di- this is digressing from the point of why Ethereum is more useful than Bitcoin and the point on smart contracts. But let, let's, let's follow this train okay. of thought. The issue right now with Ethereum is a lot. In fact, every single thing on Ethereum is over-collateralized. Like when you go to a bank, right? You can put a deposit and they lend you a lot of money on top of the deposit for you to buy a house. Yeah. Right? But right now, Ethereum is... You put in one Ethereum, you can only like borrow out 0.6 Ethereum. So in a sense, you're not really borrowing more than you had you put in in the first place. So like you're, you're borrowing out less than you, you deposited into the protocol. So it's not really that useful. So it doesn't really replace banks yet. And I have to go back to why it doesn't really replace banks in a sense that banks don't just compare compound money and lend it out, right? Because banks also assess credit, mm-hmm. right? So other than just depositing money and lending out to someone else, the bank has to assess credit of all the people that are borrowing money from the bank, right? So then like um, different and also different types of loans also have different risk profiles. So then by assessing credit and the various risk profiles, then the bank can construct in a sense a uh, a strata of risk profiles of which each risk profile is eligible for a specific interest rate. But that's not really p- possible on um, like the protocols on Ethereum right now. La, in that there's no way to access credit on the blockchain and there's no way to ensure that money is paid back to you. Okay, okay, I get it. Yeah. But that's why it needs to be over-collateralized because there's no, there's no collateral on, on the blockchain yet. Like, Right now, when you borrow money to buy a house, your house is the collateral, right? Yeah. But on the blockchain, you don't really have collateral. So they over-collateralize it by asking you for more assets and lending you and lending less out to you. Oh. Which is not very useful because you're putting in more than you're getting yeah. out. Okay, I get yeah. it. So, mm. Yeah. So going back to smart contracts is that with the smart contracts, essentially you can program a lot, a lot of things. So there's also like other stuff like automatic, Automated market makers. Uh, give me a moment. I completely forgot. I have to assess my notion. <laughs> Just look at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like some finance lecture, bro. You know, there was a finance lecture. Oh my gosh, <laughs> cryptocurrency finance. Okay, I I wouldn't say I'm the best cryptocurrency, but I'm just. Sharing what I do know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. And, but I think my, my friend's thesis of longing Ethereum and shorting Bitcoin is, is quite solid. You can, you can consider. Okay, I found, I found my notes. Nice. Okay, there are many protocols. Okay, uh, there's like decentralized exchange, exchanges, um, margin trading, stable coins, like MakerDAO. But yeah, essentially in smart contracts, you can program a lot, a lot of things and it's it's quite a nascent industry in the sense that there's a lot of potential for future development and a lot of like the use cases in the real world right now is not fleshed out yet. So, which is why it's, it might be quite sound to invest in, in cryptocurrencies. Okay, I, this is not financial yeah. advice, but I do, have, I do have quite a lot of money in crypto. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, essentially... It's quite solid, uh, I feel. And I think it's an interesting industry that everyone should like perhaps research more about. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think medicine don't <laughs> yeah. Next time just become me. Don't <laughs> 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 yeah, just just study yeah. medicine. How has it been going though? I, I heard that you're like reading up on medicine stuff. Yeah. Right? As in for a moment of like two or three weeks, I've been trying to read like the the physio physio, physio textbook. Then like, I'm trying to make some like rough yes. notes and stuff. But you know, I, I kind of realized that you know it's a bit pointless for me to start memorizing stuff now. Because like the whole like forgetting curve and everything is like it will be quite useless. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we we are talking like Ali. Like every single thing is from Ali. <laughs> okay, wait, do you use Anki? I no, I don't have the, the Anki notes yet. 
But you don't, it's the best thing in the world. Actually. Yeah, no, I, I'm just like, waiting to really. get it from the seniors when I go in school. Oh, so you're not creating your own Anki notes, like, like taking from seniors. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna you know, go through the back door uh, and get I notes that are already done. I understand, yeah. I understand. But yeah, la, so I'm just like reading it quite briefly now and not really trying to text my mind too much because like, yeah, there's no point. School is not going to start anytime soon yet. So yeah, I must relax yeah, a bit more. I'm just going to take it as it comes for now. So, so what is a daily day like for you? If it's like not work, let's say for weekends. For weekends, usually my, my family comes over because you know my two sisters, they moved out, right? Yeah, so... Usually they come over in the weekends la, and like we just go have meals or something. Sometimes I go out with my friends. Yeah, I know, I don't know. I just I pretty much chill in the weekends. Mm. Yeah, because your work is very shag. Quite la, <laughs> it's quite shag actually. But shag. it's it's kind of like intentional, like socializing, because like mm. when there's I mean, of course, like you interact with a lot of like strangers and like patients who come into the center, but then you also interact with a lot of the staff there. Because, like, if there's no one coming in, like, there's no one else to talk to. So, like, yeah, you just talk to the staff, like, the whole day. <laughs> so, 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 sometimes, like, my, so, so, my social energy, like, drains out quite fast. Mm. And, like, when I get back home, it's like, oh, I have, like, I try and read a little bit. But then, like, <laughs> 10 minutes in, I'm, like, gonna knock out already. So. <laughs> what genre of books do you usually read? Uh, I mean, trying to go back to medicine-related books, like, like evidently. So, uh. yeah. As in, I've been reading a lot of like self-help, maybe leadership books, productivity maybe. Yeah. Mm. All that wishy-washy stuff. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the issue with like self-help books sometimes is that a lot of a lot of stuff gets repeated. And by the end of the book, you can feel like the author is really like tugging, <laughs> trying to like find points to talk about to extend the length of yeah, the like, book. Yeah, like it's usually very good at the start. Yeah, yeah, it's like running out of ideas already. Yeah, that's why I actually I feel like yeah, it, reading book summaries is actually not bad also. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's actually a very good idea. Like, you waste a lot of time reading yeah. books. <laughs> it's very time-consuming. Sometimes the, the, the author, like, trying to bring across one point, but he takes one entire chapter, so it takes quite long. Yeah, yeah, so I've been trying to read more book summaries on Blinkist. <laughs> Blinkist, not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> we are consumers of <laughs> oh my Amazon Kindle Blinkist Instant Notion. Paper Notion Rewise Marcus Aurelius no. not sponsored <laughs> take note <laughs> yeah that would be quite funny what if, what if one day like uh, Kindle sponsors you I think that'd be quite sick. <laughs> Dr. John with his own podcast and Kindle sponsors him. You'll be like Ali. Wow, no la, no la, no la. <laughs> what's your what's your favorite book? Wow, that's quite hard to say. Oh, I know you left me like with like this one, but I think one of my favorite like chill books is When Breath Becomes Air. Oh, yes, that was a very yeah, good one. Yeah, and that was written so much better than Atu Gawati. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but it's a different book. Like, that one is more personal. The Atu Gawande one is more like trying to like, bring across a point. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the when breath comes in, it's very nice. It's just, it's just very poetic. Yeah, yeah. Solid, solid. Yeah. Solid. Okay. I think we've been talking for like one hour-ish. Yep. That's quite great. Okay, I think I'll just... I think we can end here. What's your What's your usual way of ending? No, usually like we... We do it quite abruptly. <laughs> it's like... We just throw around like some last interesting things you want to say, but I think you've done a lot of that already. <laughs> so, <laughs> too much finance. But, but it's good, it's good. I'll, I'll hire you as like some financial advisor next time. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, so you got anything else to add? <laughs> anything else to add? Uh, I hope all of you will not sacrifice the present for the future. Okay, I think it's a very bad way to end. Let's cut that out. What do you say? <laughs> I think that was like the that was the that was the cut that out. Cut that that statement out. No but but good way to end out. I hope all of you live happy lives. Wow. <laughs> okay, thanks thanks for coming on uh for this session. Well actually may, maybe you can come on next time again. Yeah, hey, no problem, no problem. We can talk we can talk. Yeah, the rest of the, the, the guys also they can come. So Okay, sure. Yeah, sure. I'll just end the recording.